When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we're joined by one of Australia's bright boxing hopes and our leading middleweight contender, but don't let the pretty boy nickname fool you. Michael Zarafa's story is one of resilience and dogged determination throughout a professional journey that's now more than a decade long, and the Craigie Byrne native will soon fight for the IBF middleweight title and a belt that would represent the crowning moment of his career. Michael, welcome. Thanks a lot for your time, mate. Thanks for having me, brother. It's good to be back. These are big moments in your career. I mean, your life. I mean, an IBF middleweight title fight. How do we find you now? What sort of place are you in right now? Uh, training is intense. That's yeah. one thing I would definitely <laughs> say. Um, but I'm exactly where I want to be physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, I'm trying not to overdo it. I'm just trying to enjoy the process as well and, and just trust the journey, really, and and just listen to the team. Um, the hardest thing is just rocking up. You know, as soon as you rock up, I just do what, what my team says to do. And mm. uh, like I said, I do it with a smile on my face. And hard work pays off. You know, I just, there's been times where, you know, the door's been slammed in my face a thousand times and I just never gave up. And I just believe that one day I'll be a world champion. And, uh, you know, I get to live that dream very, very soon. How old are you now? Uh, I'm getting on 30 years old now. And how old were you when you wanted this? Because it crystallised pretty early for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a strange story, but I was seven years old. Seven. And, uh, I said to my mum and dad, I said, you know, one day I'm going to be a world champion and I'm going to sell out stadiums and have more money than I know what to do with. It's a staggering moment of clarity for a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you've beaten many. You've beaten Jeff Horn, Isaac Harmon. So your 30 wins, four losses, 19 knockouts in your pro career. Is there a real sense of, and you might be trying to put this to one side for now and talk about what's in front of you of course but is there a real sense of i've been building for this for my entire life 100 yeah like it, it was inevitable for me so i always knew it was going to happen and it's so strange like even in other interviews and on tv and stuff like that people say like how did you know and i'm like i wish i could there's a word or, or some way i could describe um you know i just always believed no matter how dark it got um that i was going to be a world champion you know every time there was no bright light at the end of that tunnel i just said you know it's, a, it's all right it will happen it's just a matter of time and I just kept going through the motions and, and let it all um, build up until now, and this is where it all yeah gets released. Escape for Falcao. He'll be the man you're fighting um, later on this year. Brazilian Southpaw, 30-0, 24 knockouts. So he's never tasted defeat. Well, he's never tasted defeat, but I'll have to clarify a few things because there's a spanner that's been thrown in the works. Um, Go on. So even bigger and better things have just come into play now, and um, it was Escape for Falcao um, for the IBF World title, but... Recently, I've just moved to number one in the WBA in the world, um, and the man to 
that we look like we might be facing is uh, Gennady Golovkin, Triple G. Right. Who's the biggest name in, in boxing. Who's recently just come off a, his only defeat against Canelo Alvarez. Um, and this is going to be a huge fight. And his talks that it might be in Australia, in Melbourne. Uh, yeah. For, for, hey, well, this is a curveball. For all the gold. Yeah. So I didn't want to fix you up at the start with the, the beautiful introduction. But um, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a spun in the work and it's, it's worked out even bigger and better. So I'm, wow. I'm looking forward to it. I'm ranked across all four sanctioning bodies. I'm um, number one in the world now in the WBA, number two in the IBF, which was Falcao's mandatory. But Gennady Golovkin's come back down to the middleweight and kept his titles. Uh, and he's picked me to, for the man to be, yeah, next in line. So what date are we talking? Well, it's looking like March next year. Right. Um, but I'm off to Orlando December 11 to fight uh, a Mexican. And, um, yeah, and uh, to, to put it all on the line over there. So I'm a very, very busy man in the next couple of months. Jeez. So obviously... I'm sitting across from you now. It's hard to imagine a more physically demanding sport. I mean, mentally challenging too, of course, which we might we might get to that a little bit later on. The demands on the body, the sacrifice. I mean, you mentioned the training off the top. What does that look like in the moment? Can you explain it for the layman at the moment, what you're going through? Yeah, look, every day is, it, it varies, you know, where one day I might get up and do, you know, cardio and running and, and on the track. And then, you know, you've got your sparring, your pad work, your bag work, your strength and conditioning, your swimming. Um, it's the only sport I, I believe that has everything involved in one and um, I'm training five, six hours a day. In between that, I've got obviously, you know, recovery sessions, you know, media commitments. So it's a pretty full on day. But, um, you know, again, it was, it was inevitable. And uh, I truly believe in my slogan's BFG and it was born for greatness. Yeah. I, I truly believe I was born for this. Fantastic. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Seven years are old. Incredible age to have a moment of clarity around your path in life. Well, how did Michael Zarafa get here? We'll chart his rise after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals at Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to, uh, well, Australia's number one fighter, Michael Zarafa. Michael, born in Melbourne, raised in Craigieburn. What, what sort of family was yours? Uh, well, my mum's crazy. She's Maltese and my dad was just a hardworking man and... You know, we we were never we were never a rich family. We just did what we had to do to get by. Um, you know, got a a brother and a sister, an older sister, a younger brother, and yeah, man, we were just a happy little family. Mm. We didn't really do anything too too extreme, but um, you know, again, at seven years old, I knew I wanted to be a world champion. Um, so I just stuck. What did your folks do when you were a little tacker? Uh, for as in occupation, yeah. My mum's a nurse, and my yeah. dad worked at the uh, at the airport for. 30-odd years. So that Maltese heritage, is that a big part in your upbringing? Uh, it's something I'm starting to find more now as I've gotten older. Um, you know, I wasn't really interested as a, as a kid. I just wanted to be out and about and playing around. But um, as I've gotten older, yeah, I've definitely found a little bit more into where I'm from and what, what yeah. it's all about. But um, yeah, my family are, are pretty pretty strict in what they do. So as we said, you're seven when you decide you, you want to go all the way in the ring. Was it Roy Jones Jr. you were, you were watching? Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah uh, Roy Jones Jr. I was watching him and I was like, man, I can... I can do this. It's over, and I think it's over for the champion, at least as the super middleweight champion. Roy Jones Jr., splendid indeed, splendid enough for the upset, or at least so it appears, Joe Wilson. And Jerry Roth has it, 118 to 109 for the winner by unanimous decision. And new super middleweight. 
champion of the world, Roy Jones Jr. I don't know what was more crazier, you know, watching the Roy Jones Jr. fight at seven or thinking, yeah, right. or thinking I could match these guys at seven years old. But I was like, you know, these guys just have a bit of discipline, a bit of dedication. It doesn't look that hard. I can do that. And, uh, you know, I walked into the boxing gym and I actually did it more for a fitness side of things because I was playing, you know, like under 10s footy and stuff like that. And yeah. I was kicked back then. And um, I said, you know, I'll just do it as a, as a fitness side of thing. And then I, as soon as I put my first pair of gloves on, I was like, they're not coming off. Yeah, right. And that was it for me. That was the turn of the career. And I said, I'm going to be a world champion. Because most parents, I mean, the thought of their son or daughter getting into the ring might scare them stiff. So oh, it still did, does now. How did your mum? My mum reckons I've aged her 30 years. I said, mum, you're just using that excuse. You're getting old, mate. You're getting no, old. No, I'm a parent. I don't <laughs> uh, blame her. Yeah, yeah. She, um, look, she stresses out. Um, she always says, like I guess every mother, uh, mother does, just to be a model. But um, it's definitely not the not the case for me. I just want to fight, win a world title. But um, look, they, they get behind my career and they show their love and support. My dad acts like he's, he's a tough man when I fight. But I can see that he's worried. But it is what it is, you know. Proud? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, they definitely um yeah, my mum's she keeps all her newspaper articles and Herald Sun in her bag and she rips out it to people, This is my son and How good. It's embarrassing. But I mean look, you gotta love them. It doesn't matter if you're playing local footy for Craigie Burn or you're doing what you're doing. Correct. All mums are the same. Hundred percent. And that's what she says. She goes, Why couldn't you just be a model? I look <laughs> I say that was fine, why couldn't I just be a singer? But unfortunately <laughs> I uh, I took the hard road, always. Oh well if you've got a tune for us, we'll belt one out a little bit later. <laughs> so when did it actually start then? It's one thing to, to want it and dream of it, but the gloves on and the training, how did that manifest itself in reality as a young fella? Yeah, so like I said, I was playing Oz Kick, uh footy just like local um, um, and then I was just doing it for fitness. And then at 13 years old, I said, you know, let's have an amateur fight, you know, and that's with the headgear and, you know, the big pillow gloves. And um, I had, I think, about 10 straight wins. And that was like an addiction for me. I was like, man, I just want to keep winning until I had my first loss. <clears throat> and then I said, oh, I don't want to feel this ever again. Yeah. And um, I, I sacrificed my whole life. And it was tough, you know, um, you know, financially, you know, mentally. It was just I gave up literally everything. I dropped out of school. Um, you know, I did everything I could to make my career as good as it can be, and um, you know, I did it the hard way. I built my name with my with my two bare hands. You know, I didn't I didn't have a famous father or, you know, have anyone in the family that was successful. I said I want to build my own name, and that's exactly what I did. And uh, I just got there with grit, you know, and, and determination and sacrifice, and you know, I went without to to hopefully have it all. And that was my thing, you know, to each one teach one to give back. It's always been my thing, and. That's my main motivation. It's not about me. You know, I said to everyone, I, I died years ago. You know, it's not about me. I do this for the people that can't. I want to be a role model for people. Um, you know, to get up in the morning some days, I'm like, you know, I can't be bothered and I'm tired. And then realize how selfish that is because there's people that, you know, would love to be where I'm at. You know, there's there's kids that, you know, unfortunately can't see or, you know, mm. they don't have use of their body and limbs, you know. And for me to say I can't be bothered and I'm tired, it's, it's just a it's a disappointing excuse. And, and this is what I do, you know, to see people, their reactions when I walk into a room, it's uh, it puts a huge smile on my face, you know, ear to ear, and it's it's the reason why I get up and do what I do, honestly. So yeah, that's tough. You had the vision early, but you, am I right in saying you also had the dedication really early as well? Can you let us a bit into that? I mean, most kids would wag school to hang out at the milk bar and you know get a few chupper chups, but yeah, you, yeah. you were doing it to go to the gym. Hundred percent, right? yeah. I was literally wagging school, and my lunch money I was giving it to my trainer. Um, you know, he was an old man, and I was giving it to him and. Yeah, I, I was first in the gym, and that was my thing. First in, last out. You know, early mornings, late nights. I'd get up before school with one of my good mates, um, who's in the army now, and would go. You know, three thirty, four in the morning, would be going for runs. And we're only like, kids, early teenagers, and um, you know, then I'd come home, shower. 
I'd, I'd, I'd go to work or my apprenticeship back when I was 15, 16 because I dropped out of school and yeah. and then I'd train again. And yeah, What'd you do or, for the apprenticeship? I was a chippy carpenter. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and then I absolutely hated it. Anything <laughs> I did, I hated to be honest because, <laughs> uh, you know, on my lunch break and stuff, I was like, I don't want to be here. I want to be a world champion. Yeah. This isn't my life. I don't want to be here. And uh, no matter what I did, you know, I tried everything. I worked at the airport. Uh, I, I did my apprenticeship and I just hated it. What'd you do at the airport? I was marshalling the planes. I was on tarmac, yeah. you know, doing all the baggage handling, and my dad was my boss. So it was really? pretty, yeah, it was pretty, pretty hard. You that know? can't but end well. It was, it was the worst. You know, even on the radios, I'm trying to. I'm like, Dad, he's like, mate, you can't say Dad through a radio. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it was pretty, it was awkward. But yeah. uh, for me, like I said, I knew where I wanted to be, and that was a world champion. And I literally just want to give back. That's that's my number one thing. And it sounds crazy. I don't, I don't fight for me. And people say, oh, like you should. I said, no, I fight for everybody else. You know, the people that. Um, that believed in me and also the people that didn't, you know, it puts more um, fuel in the fire. So the amateur stuff, 2010 Australian Golden Gloves champion, and then you turn to the professional stuff. Now, 18 at first professional fight? Yeah, yeah, it was on my birthday. Fighting out of the red corner, trained by Daryl Ford from the Glenroy Boxing Gym. Official weight, 70 kilograms even. Standing five feet nine and a half inches tall. Tonight wearing black shorts with yellow trim and fighting out of Craigieburn. This man was a state Golden Gloves champion in 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michael Pretty Was, they almost weren't going to let me fight because I was 17 at the weigh-in. And then they were like, well, technically you're not 18. And I was like, well, technically I'm fighting tomorrow. And I'm <laughs> didn't waste, typically didn't waste any time. So, I, yeah, it was literally on my on my 18th birthday. And then um, I fought. And, again, I, I had 18 consecutive wins. I fought everybody. Oh, Michael's a rapper here. Got all the moves. Looking good. Lands a nice right hand. Good ring movement here from... Michael, pretty boy, Zarafa. Oh, letting the punches go. Oh, and goes now for Prudas. This could be all over. I don't think he's getting up. Eight, nine, all over. Zarafa wins in the first round. What an exciting debut. The hair it's, does look good, though. I've got it's to pretty say. sharp, yeah. I it's must, amazing. I'm Augie scared to barb, look at I've it. I've got to give him a shout-out. Augie, my man, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely the one to go see in uh, in Roxburgh Park. Okay, what's it called? Uh, his name's Augie. Augie Barbers. Augie Barbers? Yeah, he does a best. great job, Augie. He's That's sharp as. Uh, you're with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can find them online, tobinbrothers.com.au. We'll be right back with Michael Zarafa right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest, boxing world title hope, Michael Zarafa. So, Michael, the highs and the lows. Let's perhaps start with the former. Stopping Jeff Horn, August 2019. No one gave you a chance. I, th- I think he'd had a points win not long before, a year or two early, Manny Pacquiao, of course. I think even your own team were cautioning you for taking it on, and you stopped him in the ninth. It was Horn's first loss to an Aussie professional. How big was this moment in your career? It was huge um, because, you know, for me, when I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And, um, you know, Prior to the fight, everyone was like, oh, you know, you're mad. You're crazy. You know, he just beat Manny Pacquiao. I said, mate, he's got two arms and a head and bleeds red. 
I said, you know, I want this more than him. He's been at the top level. I'm climbing it. I said, you know, so I'm hungry. And I, again, like you mentioned, I had people in my team saying, look, man, if you don't take this fight, we're still in your corner. I said, man, you can either wait in the change rooms or buy a ticket, grab a hot dog and a Coke, kick back in the stands. I'm going out there and I'm winning this fight. I'm going to knock him out. And um, I went out there. I put him down in round two. And then round nine, it all ended. Adam Coughlin is holding one as well. And he steps out and throws a bomb. And there is blood everywhere. With a minute left in this ninth round, Jeff Horn is somehow still on his feet. He's taking so many shots from Michael Zarafa. But he has not gone down. He just, he's got a hard of a fighting line, Jeff Horn, but he's in more trouble than a... Werribee Duck, mate. He's in so much trouble here. Still got 40 seconds to go. And pushing forward and trying to eat this clock and get through this horrendous night round. And it is First thing I said, you know, they said, Michael Zarafa, you've done it. I said, and I grabbed the microphone. I said, mate, why is all surprised? I called this 12 weeks. Okay. You know, I knew it was going to happen. And I visualized exactly how it was going to happen. And it was crazy because me and my brother were talking about it. And I said, man, I'm going to, after the fight, I said, I'm going to get on the ropes and look at the crowd and just say, I told you all. I told the world. And that's exactly what I did. So it's a cliche to ask, it, did it change your life? But the widespread media coverage and a life in the limelight off the back of that, did that take some getting used to? No, again, it was inevitable for me. I knew it was always <laughs> going to happen. It was just a matter of when. Um, it happened a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. You know, I wanted it earlier. I wanted to be a world champion 15 years ago, yeah. you know. So, But I know there's a there's a patience game. And it's, it's a waiting game and it takes time and greatness, you know, does does build into, you know, involve, it takes time, you know. Yeah. So. But once it once it happened, I was like, you know, this is grass. This is where I want to be. This is exactly where I was going to be. Um, and now it's my time. So last year you made headlines for different reasons. The late withdrawal, obviously. The much-hyped, much-anticipated fight with Tim Zhu. Now, COVID was, was blamed by your team at the time, from memory, although I'm not sure um, that was actually the reason, was it? What? Negative, yeah. Well, I found out, you know off records where, you know, what was said and what was promised and what was actually delivered were all, you know, misinterpreted yeah. and wasn't actually the case. And sadly, I had to cop all the blame for that. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it's panned out how it is and everyone's believing it is such a shame. You know, I'm not here to change people's opinion. Everyone's entitled to that. But I just want everyone to know the truth. That I didn't, I didn't pull out of no fight. Like my trainer stated, you know what I mean? We, we asked for things that weren't delivered. We were promised everything and got nothing. And it, it's a shame that my name, like I said, is getting dragged through the dirt getting called scared, getting called this, getting called that, when it's it's far from the truth. And, you know, like I said, I want this fight. You know, win, lose, or draw, I want to be involved in this fight. I know I can beat Tim Zhu. So, you know, the, the Tim Zhu fight we wanted, you know, I still want, he wants it. The fight's the biggest fight in Australian boxing. It's the, it's the well, now it's the world. You know, the world want to see it now. So, um, you know, it's bigger than Mundine Green. And it, it, it's the fight that will happen. You know, I'll win my world title, he'll win his world title, hopefully. And that uh, we can unify the best man wins. If you know some whatever reason we both lose, we'll fight. 
So there's, you know, within 12 months, it will be the biggest fight in, in boxing history. And I, I promise you now, and, and, and I, I, I don't say things for the sake of it, I will knock out Tim Zoo. You're a remarkably resilient fella, but did you have your moments? I mean, because everyone who had a voice smashed her for, for the fact that this fight didn't go ahead. Well, one of Australia's most anticipated fights is officially off this morning. Tim Zhu will no longer fight Michael Zarafa in Newcastle next week. Zarafa's camp has withdrawn last minute, citing COVID-19 restriction concerns. His team, yes, they do not want to risk the prospect of having to quarantine, even though he says he wants to fight. Now, Zhu will go ahead and fight Queensland-based boxer Stevie Spark instead. Do you reckon he was just scared? No, well, he says he wants to go ahead with it. I just, I can't nah. understand. Ali's 100% right. He's, He's scared, scared of Zoo. Mm-hmm. Scared. He's a little scaredy pants. Scaredy cat. Scaredy pants. Scaredy cat. Scaredy cat. He'll have to face some music. Please don't find out where we live. <laughs> yeah. They said that, not me. To be honest, Michael, you, you've let the Australian boxing public down. Again, only because of the words you spoke. When somebody speaks up and speaks like you did, mate, you've, you've got to wear your, your, your shield and you've got to go in and fight. You can't, there can be no excuse. If I broke my both hands after saying what you said, I'd be fighting. And if they told me I had to quarantine for six months, I'd quarantine for six months to get this fight and prove what you honestly believe that you can do. So um, there's a, a lot of questions that, are, that maybe aren't answered. We don't, I haven't spoken to you, Michael, but um, I think that um, whoever gave you this advice has given you the wrong advice. Was it a hard period? 100%. Mentally, I... I broke. Um, you know, I went through a very, very dark place. I suffered with depression. Um, you know, and then I had to deal with that. You know, the whole Dwight Ritchie thing. Uh, one of my good mates, Shane Tuck, took his own life from Richmond. Um, you know, the loss of Jeff Horn in the rematch. You know, then strolling straight into the Tim Zoo thing. I just felt like everyone was against me. I just felt like you know I did something wrong in the in the previous life or the next life, and I was paying for it in that moment. Um, I didn't. I, there was times where I, I literally didn't want to be alive. It was so bad. I was getting death threats from everybody. What? Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was a very, very for about a year. It was very, very dark, and I didn't know what to do. And um, you know, to and that's another thing why I want to get this story. You know, my story out there as well. You know that you can overcome anything. You know, I went through all of this, and now I'm in line of fire for a world title. How'd you get out of it? The spiral. I just kept pushing, just the grit, and you know, just I literally just stayed quiet. And just soldiered on, man. Like I just every morning get up. I didn't break routine, and that's the key. You just don't break routine. As tough as it is, you know, it's like when someone has a breakup. Yeah, you know, they feel yark and don't break routine. And then when you stopped Isaac Hardman less than two rounds back in April, <laughs> did it feel better to have a bit of a vent? I think you thank the haters. The pretty boy Michael Zarafa, you looked pretty tonight. Oh, mate, I knew I knew my experience. I told you I've been all around the world. Everyone doubts me. I'm the villain. But um, you know, someone had to shut him up. But I'm glad I, I did it in style, you know, but full credit to Isaac, he's, he's, he's one tough kid. I wish him nothing but the best in the future. We were enemies, now we're friends. We fought it out like men, and uh, I was a better man on the night. And um, he's getting married in two weeks. I wish him all the best with his, with his wife-to-be. Um, nothing but love. It all happened pretty quick. Is it pretty surreal at the moment, or are you in the moment? I knew, I knew all along. I told you, everyone doubts me. I know my ability, I know how hard we work. And uh, I said, skills pay the bills. And uh, again, I didn't do this, I did it for the haters, all the haters that... That doubted me and said I was going to get knocked out and the betting system, everything. Uh, once again, I shocked the world. Mate, this was a massive domestic fight. What's it mean to you? It means everything. You know, this is 15, 20 years of my life. I've done nothing but box. I've, I've lost everything and uh, I'm doing it all for my future to be, my family to be, my, uh, my friends, people that stick by me and believe in me and uh, boxing's life.
Hundred percent. I love the haters. The haters, man. If they knew better, they'd be doing better. I almost feel sorry for them. You know, for them to get on there. And and you know what the sad thing is, and I actually say this a lot because it's coming from parents. You know, they, they, I feel sorry for their kids. You know, because you know, if if you can get on there and you're a parent and, and troll on somebody else's kid, what are you teaching your kids? Mm. You know what I mean. And I say this all the time. And and as kids, you know, <clears throat> we fall down. We everyone you know encourages us to get back up. You know, get back up. You know, we we fall off our bike. Get back on. Keep going. But as you get older, it, it turns. You you want to you want to accomplish something. You want to be something and and do something successful. Everyone brings you down. You know what I mean. And it's a, it's a strange world we live in. We we live we live backwards. Yeah. You know and. Once I got that fight, I knew I was going to win. And again, I was I was I was the underdog, crazily in that fight. And um, I said, if you want to make money, bet on me. You know, in sports bet and Palmer bet, and everyone lost a lot of money on me that night. But that's their that's their fault, you know. So How good? I knew it was going to happen. He talked a lot of smack prior to that fight, and we we attacked. It. And that was general hate. We generally didn't like each other. My two best mates are Samoan. How am I racist? That's craziness. You know, just because I'm going to punch this bloke's head in and he, he's Maltese, that's, who cares? I don't care about that. I'm going to smash this bloke. It doesn't make him racist. Here you go, dickhead. I don't want to. I don't need it, mate. Why are you getting emotional? You're getting emotional, brother. Hey, we got some tissues in here. Any tissue? You're emotional. You're emotional. Too much. You're emotional. Why are you getting so emotional? Hey, relax. You're you're emotional. Tomorrow night we settle it all. We settle it anyway. Yeah, you're just a sook. You're a sook. You're a racist sook. You are a racist. You're a racist sook. You're a racist sook. You're a racist sook. I was going to ask you that. The build-up. It looked as though it went beyond the typical pre-fight bravado. Well, he he was he was a child, and you know the way he acted. His first payday was with me. His first, you know, people knew his name because he fought me, and you know it got to his head. He was calling me six months prior to the fight, FaceTiming me, abusing me. I was like, mate, you've signed a contract. You've made a mistake now, I said so, but you've signed a contract. I'll see you April 20. And then every time we're in front of each other at a press conference or whatnot, he'd try to attack me. And I just, um, I knew I was getting under his skin. And that's the, the night before when we had the face off and the weigh in, you know, it was when it, it really blew up. And I ended up, you know, he scratched me on the neck. And the, the feeling of the, the scratch t- triggered me off. And I ended up cracking him twice. Before, before the fight, and he tried to go in there, and I'm like, mate, you're an absolute joke. And I knew by that stage I had him. He was just, you know, he was crying at one point. He was, he's a weak-minded person, but um, it was, a, it was a good victory. I knew it was going to happen. Facetiming you in the build-up as well. Mate, it was, it was, I was, it was bizarre. I was, I was generally shocked. I did, I've never had that before. I actually found it funny. I said, mate, you're actually, you're, you're cute. I'll see you on April 20, mate. You know, but each to their own. We're talking to Michael Zarafa on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll be back right after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Michael Zarafa has been our guest today. Michael, to get in the ring, you know, mentally, can you overthink it? Is there a danger of visualising but visualising too much? Yeah, I used to do it all wrong. Like when I was there, I used to just want to take your head off your shoulders and just fight and just literally heads or tail, flip off a coin. Um, now, you know, I see a sports psychologist in the lead off of my fights and I used to always think, oh, how could somebody tell you what to do? And, you know, it just makes you mentally switch on. And um, I found myself 
being present is the key. You know, if you if you live in 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 the past, you're depressed. If you live in the future, you give yourself anxiety. You know, if you think about something now in the, in the in that you've done back in the in mm. the days, you know, re, regardless if it was good or bad, you'll get sad about it because you'll if it's a good thing, you'll want to go back to that time, and if it's a bad thing, you'll dwell on it. So you'll start giving yourself a bit of depression. You'll start mm. saying, "Oh, I wish I could have changed this, and I wish I could change that." If you think about a meeting or work or something that's happening in a week from now, you'll start giving yourself anxiety. And then that's when I learned to be present. Just be right here, right now. And, you know, when I work with my, my sports psych, he, he gets me in that moment that where even when I'm in the ring, you know, there's ten to 15,000 people in the stadium. I can't hear anything. And it's so crazy. People say, oh, come on, man, how do you not hear anything? I say, I don't hear anything. I said, I literally switch off. I just hear noise. And, you know, as I'm walking, I feel the inside of my gloves. I'm telling myself, oh, you know, the silk in the inside of the gloves. I'm looking at the sweat dropping off his forehead. Even like in the shower, you know, the, the rain hitting your body. Like that's being present, feeling it, you know, hands on the steering wheel, you know, turning the volume up on the radio, like just feeling it and hearing it. And, you know, and, and, and the key to go to a shopping center, and that's how I work on it. If you go to a shopping center and you're sitting at a, like a, a food court or something, mm. you know, you just hear noise. You know, try to, try to single out one conversation and then you, you'll, you'll be present. You'll be focusing just on what that, that one thing you're doing. And, and that's what I do in the ring. And that's how I just mentally stay switched on throughout the whole 12 rounds. And mindfulness is huge, isn't it? Was the sports psych something that you've always had or something that you've learned that is yeah, beneficial yeah. to you? Has that been a process in itself? Well, only the last two years, two, two, three years, yeah, because I never believed in it. I was like, how can someone sit down and you know tell me to do this and do that and I'm going to now mentally be switched on? But yeah. it's so crazy. You know, I used to I used to be that kid that would be driving and, and I'd turn because the, I'm at a traffic light for too long. You know what I mean? Like, because there's traffic, I'd be upset. It'd ruin my whole day, you know, and you know, the sound of a horn would upset me. Now, like, I'm just present, you know, things you can't control, don't waste sweat over. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's inevitable. Again, like, you're, it's fight night, you're in the back rooms, you know, you've got two options, you know, be happy and go out there and fight or be scared and go out there and fight. I choose to be happy, you know. It is strange to think you're, you're sitting there trying to stay calm and in the moment when you're about to go out there and belt the suitcase <laughs> out of someone it's and nuts. him out of you as correct, well. <laughs> correct. Well, that's what it is. It's kill or be killed, you know, and I just know that I've done all the right things. I've trained hard. You know, my preparation's been amazing. There's been no shortcuts. It's in God's hands now. You know, if I'm if I'm meant to be a world champion, if I'm meant to, you know, be successful and and, and win a world title, it's going to happen. So that's the mental. What about the physical? I mean, you've got to have that ability to embrace the pain, embrace yeah. the hurt, endurance wise as well. You got to enjoy it. Yeah, I I like looking good. If you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you fight good. If you fight good, you make good money. If you make good money, you can win a world title. So there's <laughs> steps to the the whole process. But for me, like it's all it's all mental. Even though there's a lot of physical going in there, the body. The, the body follows the mind. You know, if the mind gives up, the body will not follow. You could be as fresh as. You could, not, you could have a whole week off rest and the body's done nothing. It's ready to go. It's 100%. But if the mind doesn't want to do it, the body won't follow. So for me, like, as much as it's, it's tough and it's grueling, the, I keep the mind, you know, always happy and, and everything else just smooth. Ever have a holiday break? Never in my life. I've never had a day off. What? Never. Ever? Ever. A day off? Never. And everyone that knows me and everyone that you know, follows my career, will will back me up on this. I've never had it. Even when I was in hospital, I was literally running up and down the stairs of the of the hospital for, for a workout, yeah. And why is this? It's a mental thing. It's just no shortcuts, no days off, no weekends, no birthdays, no holidays, no days off. What of what of uh, overtraining or the risk of burnout? Well, there's undertraining where you should be in overtraining. I, I believe in lighter days, 100%. You know, I won't go full throttle every day, but there's no need to have a day off. People say, oh, what about a holiday? I say, are you where you want to be in life? 
and there's nothing wrong with you know wherever mm. whatever anyone does if you're a own your own business whether you're an athlete whether you you know you work there's no comparison on what you do but I say you where you want to be and they're like well not really I said so then why are you having a holiday what are you what are you rewarding yourself for if you're not where you want to be and they're like well you know I just want to freshen up how's that going to freshen you up <laughs> you're going to come back with less money and be in the same situation you know so for me I want to be a world champion once I win a world title. I'll go on as many holidays as I can. <laughs> I'm where I want to be. You yeah. know what I mean? Then it's my new chapter. That chapter's closed. What's the next chapter? But for me, I want to be a world champion. I'm not there yet, so I can't give myself rewards. So two key dates coming up on that front. So December 11 in Orlando first. Correct. Yep. I'm fighting uh, December, a tough Mexican uh, in Orlando, as mentioned, and then we'll enjoy it. Hopefully it all goes well. You know, can never um, underestimate anybody. I'm training super hard. He's a tough Mexican. He's going to walk forward. Try to, There's a huge opportunity for him too if he beats me. Uh, and then enjoy Christmas and then back over to the US for a training camp with yeah. huge, huge announcement for my world title fight. Now, Golovkin? That's where we're going. March? Correct. Melbourne? Correct. Rod Laver? Correct. Packed? <laughs> Full stadium. Oh, how good's that going to be? It's, uh, it's going to be, you know, obviously boxing, anything can change. Uh, but at the moment now, he's happy to come to Australia. We verbally agreed and uh, huge, huge things fingers, on the horizon. Fingers crossed One fight at a time though. Exactly. Now, before I let you go, am I right in saying you had three goals in life? One was to retire Mundine. Only been beaten by the very best in the world, Michael Zarafa. Look, you know, Anthony Mundine, at this stage so far, oh, he got short there. And, and Here comes Zarafa opening up now on Mundine. Mundine up against the ropes, goes down. Goes down, Anthony Mundine. This is exactly... More or less what I expected, to be honest, because I didn't want Chop to take this fight, but he insisted he was going to win it. But time beats all. Ace was making uh, Mundine do a bit of a test to check that he's okay to continue. Zarafa gets on the front foot again, lines up that jab, gets the jab probing down to the body. A minute of round one minute to go. Mundine needs to be mobile. Oh, weaves under that right hook nicely, down to the body, up to the head. Zarafa clips Mundine. Down he goes. On that M Group logo, it is all over. It is all over in the first round. Zarafa making a statement and uh, calling on all and sundry. Who is next for the pretty boy? The crowd and bring next level boxing forward. Zarafa clips Mundine Just with that right hand, but it was, it was on the spot. It was where the punch needed to be to send yep. Mundine down. He did the business down to the body, up, up to the head, head, changing levels. Yep. On the side of the temple. And just totally overwhelmed Anthony yep. Mundine. Tick. Uh, the American Michael, let's get ready to rumble buffer as your, your announcer. I think it's happened twice anyway. Twice, yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. From the capital city of the United States of America, Washington, D.C., ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! And what else? To win a world title. There you go. So, you know, and that's, that's the thing, man. You set goals and set small goals. Yeah, you know, as soon as you walk in my house, there's a massive whiteboard with my goals on it. And I highly suggest everyone does that. You know, everyone... Put small goals, you know, uh, twelve month goals. You know, whether it might be, you know, for for my next twelve months now is a world title, mm. two major uh, corporate sponsors, and an additional hundred k saved. Three small goals for twelve months, but people start jumping too ahead. 
You know, they want to be like, oh, I want to drive a Ferrari. And yeah, yeah, yeah you got to, you got to crawl. Yeah, you know, before you got to walk before you can sprint. You know what I mean? So. Thanks so much for joining us today, mate. Pleasure, mate. Thank yeah. you for having me. What you do and how you do, it's hugely admirable. And your discipline, your dedication <laughs> to your pursuit just earns you instant respect. You've had to earn it too, all of it. And uh, we're all hoping you do that uh, early on next year and you bring that belt home. So well done on everything you've achieved. Best luck for us to come. God bless, brother. Thank you very much, so much. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. They're online, of course, tobinbrothers.com.au. And we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.